You're listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. Hey, Tim, guess whose birthday's coming up? I don't really care. Oh. Well, it's TechFan58 anyway. Ooh, I care about that. And it's tech fan number 58. My name is Tim Robertson, and as usual, I'm joined by David Cohen. Hello. I'm, I'm irritated today, David. Uh, cranky. I'm cranky. I am cranky. Is, yeah, that, is been... that the best time to record a podcast when you're cranky, or should you just be in the upbeat well, mood? It's either going to be really good or really bad. <laughs> so we'll know in about an hour. <laughs> yeah, we'll know in an hour from now. I, I, I must admit, I'm, I'm kind of cranky. Yeah, I'm just looking through this list of topics I gave to you this morning, and they're all kind of cranky. They are kind. They are kind of cranky, <laughs> aren't they? Yeah, but it was first thing in the morning when I emailed them out, so maybe that's that's part of it. But we're both we've both been busy. We're both tired, so um, we might be a little bit cranky. So I was looking at. I don't remember why I decided. Oh, I know what it was. I was going through... Uh, I don't use Firefox very often. Mm-hmm. So the last time that I decided to give Firefox a run, I imported all my Safari bookmarks, right? Which yeah. is Which is, you know, whatever. But this was like three years ago. <laughs> so, <laughs> so the bookmarks in there are, for the most part, stuff that I, I never go to anymore. You know yeah. how that changes. And I, mm-hmm. you know, I rearrange my bookmarks and stuff like that. <coughs> Excuse me. And so I'm looking at these old bookmarks and I see Mac Home. And I don't know if you got this in the UK, but it was a Macintosh magazine. And it wasn't very well done. Right. And so I click it. And it goes to one of these, it, this website is for sale thing. Yeah. So I thought, okay, uh, you know, I'll, what what the heck? I'm going to put a bid in for it. So I did for 150 bucks. Mm-hmm. And I thought, even that's kind of high. I mean, I'm just going to use it as a redirect to go to MyMac.com. Yeah. I get a response, a counter offer. For $17,150. And his reasoning is, it gets 552 weekly visitors to the site, to that URL. 552. A week. 552. I'm surprised this server can cope with that level of traffic. So I responded. I counter offered him a hundred dollars, <laughs> and I said, "I said, five hundred fifty-two weekly visitors. I have more Twitter followers than that." <laughs> I mean, seriously, really? That's. I didn't do the valuation, but that's. <laughs> well, I, I, I mean, I mean, this is. This is part of the problem is that you know if you're if you're in a vacuum, 
you know, most of us don't know 550 people. So, in, you know, in, in, a, in a vacuum where you're not thinking about the rest of the world, you might you think, oh, 550 people, that's quite a lot of people. Uh, who, <laughs> you know, and of course, they're not, I, I wouldn't imagine they're all coming every week, especially as at the moment when they come, they get a thing saying the website's for sale. Right. I mean, that's, that's not going to entice them in, is it? But, but obviously, you know, click-through and return rates and everything like that on the, on the web, I mean, each, each click is worth fractions of a penny in reality, isn't yeah, it? Oh, so, if that. If that. <laughs> not, not whatever it is, $30, $40 a user, he, think, he thinks that, uh, that they're worth. Um, that, that is... That, that is kind of funny. Well, you know what? He he's on a learning exercise because pretty soon he's going to learn how wrong he is yeah. when he doesn't sell the site. Oh, it's, I just laugh. You see, the thing for what I don't understand. I get this sometimes with I do a lot of eBay, and I, you get this on eBay sometimes where somebody sends you a, a you know, you, there's there's an auction going, and they send you in a low ball buy out buy it now offer to you you know they email you and say oh yeah you know that that auction you've got going now i'll give you 50 dollars for or 50 pounds for the for the thing and you're looking at it and you're thinking well have you not before you make an offer i i did actually respond like this once to something i said i said what is it in my auction that makes me look desperate and poor <laughs> because that's the only reason I would accept a low ball offer and well, well you don't need to be so sarcastic about it I said well look a quick search on eBay reveals to you a thing I'm selling regularly sold, sells for about three four hundred pounds so I said if you if you want me to stop the auction already and actually sell it direct to you then you're going to have to at least be in that ballpark and actually probably better that slightly in order to make me finish it early. Why do you think that I would that I would accept you know a, a stupid offer? And afterwards, I thought I don't know why I even responded to that. You know, uh, yeah, and, and, what's I, the and, point? and it's it's interesting that this guy. It, I mean, he's obviously you know your expectations, his expectations are miles and miles apart. And he's yet, he's a squatter. Let's be honest. Yeah, but but obviously you're one of the few people who's ever giving him an offer because otherwise he wouldn't have ever even engaged in conversation with you that's right you know he got that and was like holy crap somebody wants something i have <laughs> somebody wants it but i've got to get them up to <laughs> i thought you know it's a good url mac home I, yeah. I, i'd use that as a redirect you know but <laughs> that's about it yeah i think you know every, I, the problem is everyone has stars in their eyes from the early days of the internet bubble when websites did go for crazy money um you know, not not anymore. Yeah, that that ship sailed, and it sailed a long time ago. And it, and in fact, most of those valuations only came out of everything else that happened during the internet boom, when investors were so convinced that anything to do with the internet was going to make millions that they would throw large sums of money around just to try to get in early. You know, on uh, Twitter, it shows you who to follow. Yeah. I've got that up right now. And I'm using Twitter less and less lately. I'm kind of tired of it, to be honest. Are you using something else, or are you just not? No. not well, probably more Facebook, because I'm having actual conversations there. Yeah. Um, I get irritated. and Maybe I'm just it's that mood today. Still cranky. Still cranky. And it said Edward Norton. And I'm like, oh, yeah, he's that actor, right? And so, you know, it says underneath their name, you know, something about themselves. Mm-hmm. So you would think Edward Norton, Ed Norton, you know, he was in Fight Club. He was Bruce Banner in that really terrible yeah. Hulk movie. So you would think it would say actor, right? Yeah. No. 
His thing is an experiment in progress. Uh, you know what? Shut up. You're a freaking actor, dude. An experiment in progress. How about an experiment in I'm not going to follow you because you're a tool? How about that experiment? <laughs> I, I look, I, there's a lot of... Um there's a lot of people on the internet who are very full of themselves and like to <laughs> no, and, and not, and I don't want to diminish. I, I think Edward Norton is a, is an excellent actor. Oh, I like actor. him as an actor. I yeah. do, but Jesus yeah. Christ. I mean, but, but the, the, I think the problem is, is that when you're very good at something, you can end up surrounded by people who swallow your particular line of existential rubbish yeah. and it can, it can kind of take you over, you know, I mean, you you do hear lots of particularly in particularly in in the celebrity space and particularly in the um american hollywood kind of uh, celebrity space you do hear people talking you know like they're like they're hippies you know about all this uh, or but you know everyone talks you know it was almost come come a, a cliche about their journey and you know how they feel and everything is about how they feel and nothing is about what they do and and you you do kind of think, oh, I, I really wish that I was success, successful and wealthy enough to basically not give a damn about the real world anymore and just live in this kind of artificial existential bubble. But, you know, but, they um, try to make it like the what they're doing is, well, I'm going to use my status as a celebrity to bring uh, attention to this cause. Really? Shut up. I'm just tired of that. I mean, they don't make any difference at all. A few of them, I'll give them credit for. They actually go to these places and they do talk about this rather than their latest movie. People like George Clooney yeah, or Sean Penn. They actually really are trying to make a big difference. I have more respect for the people who get their hands dirty when they uh, when they talk about those sorts of things. And, and yes, I would put those, those particular people in. You know, people like Bob Geldof, uh, yes. Bono, who, who, let's face it, really have made a difference, you know. But... Um, not not these people who think just by talking about something for five minutes on a talk show that they've made a difference, yeah, you know. know. And 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 it does kind of it does kind of um, come across as as uh, you, you know, I'll tick the box. Publicist said I had to mention this. Publicist said I had to mention a good cause. Publicist said I had to plug my movie. You know, there was um, a, a couple of years ago. Uh, Ricky Gervais did a great sketch for uh, for an English telethon. I see, I they, saw that. Yeah, where where he had and he had some big celebrities in there, and basically he was making out that you know he was trying to pretend that oh we only do it for the PR and all that sort of thing. It was it was very funny because it was really very biting, actually very biting satire of uh, of how a lot of people you know do do that. <laughs> I don't know. It's yeah. I, I that's probably why I love Ricky Gervais. He's he really does kind of have a, the, his hand on the pulse, you know. Now, I'll tell you, if his, his Twitter account is definitely worth following. He's, you know, because he really dishes it out. He, he absolutely says uh, what he thinks. And, and when he gets attacked, as he does get, get attacked quite a lot, you know, he'll, he'll pick individual people and reply to them in a very robust manner. He's pretty good. Well, I don't follow him on Twitter, but I do go to his website quite often. Yeah. And uh, he posts some really funny stuff up there. He doesn't seem yeah. to be the guy that's letting this celebrity really get to his head absolutely not and um you know he he i think he enjoys the fact that you know he knows that being really controversial is is often very funny um and he revels in the fact that a lot of people can't handle that 
you know and um and uh, i think you know he 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 kind of he kind of lives and breathes with that, and I can respect him for that really because it shows he's absolutely not cow, cowtowing to that whole, you know. Oh, got to got to keep straight and narrow. I mean, they're they're doing this um, this sitcom over here at the moment called Life's Too Short. Yeah, with uh, Warwick Davis, who's has the, it started uh, over there yet? Yeah, it has, and it's uh, it's very very funny. See, I would I've been waiting for that to start up, but I guess it's not here in the yeah. U.S. yet. So I'm going to have yeah. to go to less reputable websites to download them yeah so for, for anybody who's not heard about it warwick davis was the guy who he's uh he's one of the famous <laughs> little guys he's he's a famous hollywood dwarf yeah <laughs> he played ewoks um he's a contemporary of kenny baker who played r2d2 and you know he was in the harry potter movies um and and the the the, the the conceit of the sitcom is that this follows him as he tries to get work. Um, and it's kind of like extras for dwarfs, really, in that, you know, he... he That's what I've heard. It's it's kind yeah. of like extras, but it's not. It, it Basically, it riffs on the fact that, you know, as somebody who has a, a, a very obvious physical um, difference to everyone else, that, you know, that the fact that that affects the kind of work he gets offered and 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 then the idea is is that he's desperate to get work and so he'll he ends up doing virtually anything <laughs> and kind of losing it it's, it's very funny it's very amusing yeah all right now i've got that up there so i'll keep that so i know to check these less than reputable websites to see if i can watch it give me what i want to watch when i want to watch it by the way if, if anyone's curious I'm riffing on people's uh, what they're saying about themselves on Twitter. I I don't even remember what I had put, so I went and looked at mine. Mine's pretty clear cut. It's just basically my job titles and the things I I do. <laughs> it's founder yeah, well. mymac.com, COO Mac specialist, podcast producer mymac.com at minute, which actually that needs to it's that's not all the ones I do. Yeah. Host of Tech Fan, owner of Spotlight Network, and then. Father to, father to four, husband to one. I I, I don't think that's yeah. very pretentious. It's kind of like no, a resume, I, if anything. The difficulty is is that if you have to kind of parse what somebody what somebody says about themselves, if you have to kind of try and process it, try and understand it, <laughs> that's not a great first impression for many people. No. No. All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, uh, we'll uh, probably have another co-host with us. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Tim Robertson, the Tech Fan Podcast. And Guy from the MyMac.com Podcast. And Tim, I got to tell you, I have a problem. Just one? Because I could give you some suggestions. <laughs> no, not those kinds of problems. Well, what is it then? Well, the Spotlight Podcasting Network has all these great free podcasts, but it still costs money to produce and upload them. Yeah, tell me something I didn't already know. I'm the one paying those bandwidth costs. I just wish there was an easy way for listeners to help without it costing them anything. You know, it's funny you should say that because there actually is a way they can help and it won't cost them anything. Tell it to the mountain. Well, when you're going to shop this holiday season at Amazon, just go to MyMac.com first and click the Amazon button. It's over on the right-hand side of the page, right underneath where it says Support MyMac. Then buy the stuff you normally would have. It's not going to cost you any extra money, but Amazon's going to kick a little bit back our way, and that's going to help us pay for all the great podcasts that's part of the Stoplight Network. So if you don't mind, MyMac.com, click the Amazon button, 
Go to Amazon, shop as you normally would. So just go to my Mac, hit the Amazon button, and shop as usual? Man, that sounds really easy. That's all there is to it. So will I finally get paid for podcasting? Uh, how much do I pay you now? Nothing. Oh, well, double it then. I knew this would pay off in the end. MyMac.com and Amazon. The perfect start to the holiday season. Back here on Tech Fan number 58, I'm Tim Robertson, still in my grumpy, irritated mood. And he is David Cohen. And David, we're joined on this segment by Justin Bryce. He is the podcast host of Geekiest Show Ever and Drunken Halo. Yeah. And uh, a member, a proud member, <laughs> proud member <laughs> of the Stoplight Network. Yes, sir. Justin, you were actually there when I uh, kind of came up with the name. I think yeah, you, were, you it- were the first person to hear the name. Well, actually, if I may, um, you you had uh, mentioned the name Stop Sign, I think. And I said, can I make a suggestion? I think you know what? I think you're right. I think that's exactly. I was going to say Stop Sign, and you said, mm-hmm. what about Stop Light? And I was like, yeah. ooh. Yeah, I like that. In fact, the show notes this week is about the uh, Stop Light Network. A, uh, Mark Shepard, a follower of Gaz and Guys on Twitter, and now mine, uh, had posted a twit pic. It said uh, alternate for uh, the logo for Stoplight Network, and it's uh, bell peppers. Huh. And I thought that was really clever, and I'm like totally using that for uh, artwork for TechFan58. So interesting. You've been uh, absent. You've had some uh, family issues, but yeah. uh, you're you are returning to Geekiest Show ever. Oh, I'm back. Uh, not a Geekiest Show ever. I should have finished. Let you finish what you were saying, uh, but um. But yes, uh, Drunken Halo's back. Drunken Halo's back. Uh, at this point, or, or at least uh, like it, we're it's semi out of necessity right now. Me and Travis had agreed to be in this uh, uh, tournament that's put on by another Halo podcast, and so we kind of needed to get get back uh, in the saddle, so to speak, for that. Uh, but you need to polish your helmet. Yes. Yeah. And. Uh, <laughs> I'm not touching that one at all. That's awesome. You should knit, that's uh, should be a name of the episode. <laughs> Polish the helmet. helmet. Yes. Yeah. Uh, if you don't do it on this show, we'll do it on Geekiest Show. I'll, let, I'll let you do it on Geekiest. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, we are. But um, definitely, me and Travis have uh, several sh- uh, show uh, or recording plans to record several shows and very short amount of time so that way um you know we don't have to uh you know keep you guys if anybody listening is a geeky show ever fan to keep you guys uh you know waiting we got it we got to keep you guys happy and that's what we're gonna do and i know that we have a lot of different show ideas just a teaser one of the guys putting on this uh halo um uh tournament his podcast he's he's a big stephen king fan and so am i so uh, we are both dying to give everybody some Stephen King talk. I used cool. to be into Stephen and, and King, I promise but I kind of it'll fell be out. better than the the poker guy episode. The two episodes, you mean? <laughs> yeah. So uh, you know, you do a Halo podcast. What do you think of the Halo Anniversary Edition? Um, so, so far, what I've played of it is 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 pretty good um i unfortunately haven't had a a whole lot of time lately to to you know really get in depth with it but 
Uh, yeah, there's a there's some problems with the audio though. Yeah, we talked about I, that, and it's yeah, we it, did. They didn't really. The graphics look great. They kind of screwed up the audio. But have you got the Halo Anniversary Edition, David? Um, it's on my uh, it's on my Christmas list. It's uh, that's the only time I'm going to have to play. Yeah, I hear you. I I bought it and I played up to I don't know, not very far into it, and all I kept doing is switching back between the old look and the new look. (laughs) (laughs) It's pretty cool. It looks so much better. Um, But I've been playing other games lately. I've been playing Arkham City, Batman Arkham City. Love that game. And then uh, next on my agenda, and I've already got it. I just haven't broke it out yet. Is Uncharted Three. So, yeah, Halo, it's like, it's a game I've already played through multiple times on the Mac and the Xbox, and eh, I don't feel the need to, I, I I bought the game day one when it came out, I mean the Anniversary Edition, so it's, yeah. it's not like I'm not going to, it's just, when I get around to it, I'll do it. Well, you and I should play on a, a, a campaign co-op. I suck. <laughs> I, I'm, I suck too, quite honestly. Like, uh, I, I was just interested actually when you when you say about a tournament, how does that work? Do you actually get together physically, or is it all online? It's all online. This is a it's a, a team doubles tournament, which means uh, it's you know each team is comprised of two people, and uh, the guys who are putting it on spend a lot of time like planning out the bracket. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, not yesterday, but the day before, I believe uh, we did a whole. Uh, like copying what ESPN might do if this was a real sport, or That's like cool. if this was the the March Madness types, you know, college basketball tournament. Yeah. We uh, like we opened the show with the Sports Center theme and all that. Oh, all you got to do is cool. look at what the guys in Korea do with uh, StarCraft. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's wow, <laughs> it's quite impressive. So. Yeah, I've got a, you know, as far as Halo goes, I've got a, a lunch, might be earlier than lunch, but a meeting scheduled for just this next week with the person who does some of the voices in Halo. And uh, I'm looking forward to that. It's, uh, he he's, he's in tight, he's a voiceover guy. He does commercial work. Everyone listening to this in the U.S. has heard his voice. Oh, yes. Um, but I'm going to... Uh, you need to get him to fix his website. Yeah, I know. It's terrible. He's actually really proud of it, but he... Does <laughs> it's it. awful. He's, it's awful. I know. <laughs> um, he is interested, as well as other people at Comedy Central, in creating their own content, audio-wise, podcasts, um, but they're not quite sure how to go about it yet or uh, how to do it so Comedy Central doesn't own it. And so that's kind of what this meeting is going to be about. I'm going to introduce him more to the Spotlight Network. Spotlight. See, I did it again. Stoplight Network. And, uh, you know, let's see what we can do. I think it would be kind of cool. Get a professional voiceover guy doing podcasts. And not just any voiceover guy. Like, whenever whenever Tim says you all know who he is, uh, that is absolutely 100% true. Yeah, he does a lot of voiceover uh-huh. stuff. And, uh, you know, he came into Mac Specialist. Uh, in fact, he was already in the store when I walked in one day, and I started talking to him. And we I think we stood there for an hour just talking. And now uh, we communicate back and forth via email. And uh, we were just kind of waiting for the right time to get together and 
start planning some stuff out and it looks like now is going to be the time he wants to make a move in 2012 into podcasting and hopefully i'll be involved and if not i'll at least listen to his stuff because i love his voice he's got one of those voices that's just awesome and when you hear his voice in these different things you would never see his face i mean you would never if you saw this guy you would never think that's the guy <laughs> he just wouldn't he's so uh, well I, I mean isn't it always like that with it voices though so, it yeah. is yeah yeah absolutely, absolutely. You, wouldn't, you wouldn't guess you won't guess how stunningly handsome i am from my voice him here i would <laughs> see you need a better microphone that'll pick that up that's, that's right, right yeah. <laughs> So one of the uh, topics I wanted to talk about real quick here, and I know that you're on a time crunch here, Justin, so we're probably yes, going to have you um, for this I segment. Actually, you got to yeah, run? Actually, uh, yes. Um, but uh, Well, wish your sister a happy birthday for us. I will. And uh, my birthday is uh, Sunday. We, we don't care. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I just thought I'd, I'd let as many people know about it as possible. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. We, we don't care. <laughs> I can spend my birthday thinking about how many people might be thinking about me. Happy birthday. Now get off my show. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. We'll, well, uh, you, you begged me for like an hour this morning to get on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I begged <laughs> right, you an man. hour for to. Never mind. I'm not even going to go there. <laughs> uh, All right, we'll, guys, we'll have you back on again on, soon, man. Justin. Thanks. Thanks, man. So, uh, <laughs> we don't care. Um, <laughs> so, David, uh, did yeah. you finish the Steve Jobs biography yet? Yeah, I'm about, I, I'm, I'm kind of close to the end. I, I'm, I'm at the, uh, I'm just, just after the iPod. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, and just after kind of the development of iTunes and all of that. Yeah, so you're like four-fifths of the way through yeah, at this point. Yeah, so, so I'm, I'm close, close to the end, really. You know, I kept putting it down and picking it up, and I did finish it about a week ago. And, you know, I know that, look, Walter Isaacson's a good writer um, from everything I've read. This is the only book from him that I've read. That being said, I think he got it wrong. Um, I think Jobs in, in picked the way? wrong. I, I don't think that at any point in this book he really captured who Steve Jobs was. And that was what Steve Jobs wanted. He wanted his children to understand him. He wanted to leave something so people would understand why he did the things he did, the type of person he was. And I don't think Isaacson captured any of who Steve Jobs was. Um, it's the same old anecdotes that I've been reading since I started following Apple. And started writing about them in 95. There's nothing truly unique in this book that I couldn't uh, find anywhere else. Uh, well, I, don't, I mean, I, I, I can't comment on how many of the anecdotes have been heard before. Um, some of them I'd, I had kind of come across. Some of them I hadn't. Um, obviously, what, what Isaacson did have with, with those stories is an opportunity to put those to Steve and get Steve's reaction to it. And he them. didn't do that at all. Well, he, he, he doesn't really bring that out. No. I, I, think, I think the problem is, is, that, is that maybe because this isn't an area where he feels overly comfortable, what he's, what the way he, in, in my opinion, the way he's, he's apparently approached the book is he did the interviews, he, he, he interviewed all these different people and kind of collated it all together, 
and then he tried to turn it into the story of Jobs's life. And it didn't um, work because I, it, too much of the book. Look, I'm not going to say Steve Jobs was some kind of a saint. Steve Jobs wouldn't say that. But Isaacson paints Steve Jobs with a very narrow brush, mostly focusing on either the creative endeavors or him being an asshole. And you don't really see anything outside of those parameters in this book. Yeah, the, you, you're right. There's not many shades of gray. Right. And nobody can be an asshole to the extent that this book portrays and be as loved as Steve Jobs was for his creativity, his business acumen, and and all that. Steve Jobs was probably the greatest of bringing out the best in other people. And there is some of that in the book, but not nearly enough. Well, I think, I think to be fair, uh, it the the cre- the whole the whole thing kind of comes across to me as, as as perhaps a little bit rushed, and not rushed in terms of how it was written, but it, I, I imagine it was fairly rushed in terms of developing the material because obviously he had to he he had a limited amount of time to talk to Steve and other people about what Steve was talking to him about before Steve died, um, and and that to me that does kind of come across that. You know, there's not been an opportunity to get a lot of depth. Um, and that's what I mean, I think, because I, yeah. I, Steve Jobs wanted a book about Steve Jobs. And this that's, this book isn't about Steve Jobs. It's about his accomplishments well, and the people that, that, he worked with. I think this this is part of the problem, is that is that the only person I think who really knows what the book was intended to be is Steve Jobs, and he's not had to, to ask anymore. And, and and I think a lot of people are projecting different things on onto it. I've I've heard some criticisms that it's not technical enough. I've heard some criticisms that it doesn't go into the business wranglings enough. You know the the relationship between the 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 renegotiation of the Pixar deal between Pixar and Disney. You know it's it's covered in about four or five pages, and obviously that was a that was a pretty epic. It was. I mean, here's, here's Disney that buys that, Pixar, yeah. but if anything, it's a reverse takeover. Exactly. Pixar and, and really is, took over Disney. And if you look at history, exactly the same thing happened when Apple bought Next. Next really purchased Apple and took over. Yeah. And yet uh, uh, the same guy was in charge of both those negotiations, putting the people in charge of both of those companies um, during these negotiations and afterwards. And yet... There's no correlation in the book between these two things. The, the I, I, brilliance I, yeah. of Steve Jobs right there in these two events is just breathtaking. I, I think I think the problem is is that is that when you when you're putting something like that together with somebody who who doesn't have much time left, you're under time pressure, and and obviously because everybody this book was three years to, in their writing, dude. Well, yeah, but even so, I mean, three years, but but the guy's been sick for a long time. Um, and uh, you know it, it. It says right there in 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 the front of the book that that um, Steve Jobs' wife contacted Isaacson and said, "Look, if if you're going to do this book, you need to do it now because he won't be around forever." I mean, she, at that point, they obviously knew that the end game was was being started. Right, but to I, me, that you know, means not- spend as much time with Steve Jobs and uh, accumulate as much information from that source as possible, and put the other sources to the side until you don't have the opportunity to talk to Steve Jobs anymore. Yeah, I, I guess the, the decision he took was instead of instead of um, giving us an insight into 
Steve the Man, he 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 decided to do a a, a, a biography, a straight up biography, as in, in the, you know this is what Steve did, mm-hmm. um, and and I think in in that respect it succeeds as a no, I think it of, fails because almost everything in the book has been. Well, it's, reported it's very, elsewhere many, many it's times. Very, it's very, yeah, it's a very shallow. It's a very shallow look. Oh, I appreciate v- absolutely. That. Yeah. It, it it is shallow. There there isn't a lot of depth in terms of the accomplishments there. So it it is kind of a, um, it you know, it's kind of a Reader's Digest version of of what Steve Jobs accomplished in his life. And you know, I I think I think that one of the problems he must have had is that knowing knowing the position Steve was in, obviously you can't just take that stuff from one source you have to take it from multiple people and i think people were reluctant to open up knowing where the book would end up and not knowing whether steve would read it you know i think i I can picture people thinking well you know something i say here steve may be on his deathbed and reading about what i've said about him And and i think that that will have colored what people said i think if you were to do this project if you take the interviews that that Isaacson's done and do this project again in five years' time, you get something that was much more of a perspective on what the man was like. Um, and um, that that will probably be a more interesting read. You know, um, I, I think, I think when I got done is, with it, yeah. my first thought was, wow, I should really write a book on Steve Jobs. That was my first thought. And I'm not saying I'm a better writer than the guy. I just think I know the source material so much better. And that would lend a uh, a level of expertise that is clearly lacking in this book. Yeah, I'm, I mean the last the last book I read about Steve Jobs, the the Icon book, I think as as a kind of a as an insight into how Steve did business was a much better book. It was this. absolutely. Um, and this 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 tries to be more rounded and consequently becomes you know less deep as a as a result. It has no focus. Is is really probably my biggest criticism. It just meanders through, and it barely touches on the important topics. And it completely overlooks, in my opinion, um, who Steve Jobs the man was. And this is the only writer that had direct access to Steve Jobs, and he completely blew it. Not financially. The book is making tons of money. Don't get me wrong there. But... As someone who wanted to peer into the page and and learn more about Steve the man, I was denied that with this book, and it um, pisses but, me off. Yeah, uh, well, I think I mean there's a little bit of projection there. I, I wasn't expecting that from this um, because I don't think even even as he you know approached his dying days steve jobs was the sort of person who found it easy to open up i suspect the only person who could really write that book and tell you what steve jobs the man was like is his wife because mm. I, I don't i don't think anybody else would would have have been able to to get the the uh, the personal intimacy required to actually understand him as a man i can't imagine somebody at uh, the perfections that steve jobs was um, I can imagine him th- uh, doing the interviews for a book like this with his agenda for what he wanted it to be. And, and we'll never know whether the book that came out is what he wants it to be. He didn't even read it. Um, but I suspect if you want an insight into what, what the man was and, and kind of particularly the man he was towards the end of his life, because I think we all have a fairly good idea about what sort of man he was early in his life. Listen to um, Tech Fan, right? 
absolutely yeah <laughs> oh um, boy you know I, I i think i think that book is to come and and let's face it this will not be the last book we we read about steve jobs oh, no. i just do hope that the the material that's been used to generate this book which obviously has more to give is is made available to other people yeah good luck uh, there. or if or isaacson revisits himself to give us something that that gives us something different from this because you know much of I, as i enjoyed reading it i do accept the criticism that it's you know not everything that perhaps it could have been and, and perhaps that people wanted it to be yeah very disappointing to me and with that, we're going to take our last uh, break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about video editing and uh, some more tech stuff. Hello, Peter. Oh, hi, Grog. What are you doing, Grog? Oh, downloading another podcast to my phone. A podcast? What is that? Hmm, podcast is like um, a radio show, except you download it, you know, from the Internet. You could put it on your phone or your iPod. Um, you can download podcasts about pretty much anything. Wow, really? What kind of podcasts are out there for me? Well, Peter, uh, you're a teacher, so me think the best podcast for you would be TeacherCast. Go into iTunes and search for TeacherCast on podcast, and you'll find it there for you. TeacherCast podcast has some of the best information for teachers who are wanting to learn more about teaching and learning and technology. It's a good podcast. Right. Thanks, Grog. A podcast. Hmm. Teacher cast. I'll remember that to go search for it when I get home. Teacher cast podcast. Thanks, Grog. Last segment, tech fan. I'm Tim Robertson. He is David Cohen. David, if somebody wants to find you on Twitter, where are you? I am at David B. Cohen. And I am at MyMac. If you want to uh, send us feedback, it's pretty simple to do. Simply send feedback at MyMac.com. That would be an email. We can, uh, they can send us a, you know, I keep saying this and no one's using it, so I'm about to turn it off. Um, we'd love to hear audio feedback from you guys, and the easiest way to do that is to pick up, well, I don't know, any telephone and dial 1-801-938-5559 and uh, leave a voice message. We'll play it right here on the show. Last uh, episode, uh, David, I had Mark Greentree on from Not Another Mac Podcast. And we spoke yep. quite a bit about, um, you know, the the future of podcasting as far as we're concerned, and that is the Stoplight Network. And, uh, you know, it's it's progressing. It's one of these things that I started simply because I wanted uh, a commonality and a way to, oh, what's the word, uh, promote other shows. Yeah. And... It, it's coming along pretty well, I have to say. We, we've got two new shows in the podcast network now. We've got the TeacherCast podcast, and we've got the Apple Junkies. And uh, probably Drunken Halo will join, and there's yet another one that I'm in talks with. And another one beyond those two, <laughs> they sent feedback in uh, on the uh, website wanting to get more information because they're interested in joining and it's a podcast that has absolutely nothing to do with tech or anything. And that kind of excites me, to be honest, David. Cool. Uh, but the whole point is, if you're a podcaster and you're looking at, uh, you know, you want to get your show promoted on other podcasts, and eventually, I don't know, have these things called advertisements, uh, and you want to make a little bit of money to offset the cost of producing shows, uh, Stoplight Network is uh, probably a good... Uh, 
a good choice for you. Go up to stoplightnetwork.com, click for podcasters, fill out the information, click send. That will come directly to me, and we'll talk. So you can send me a big check before Christmas, then? Big check. Huge. It'll be massive. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm effectively going to double how much we pay Guy Searle. <laughs> yes. So uh, your Skype sounds a little goofy. Let me see. Uh, Go ahead. I'm in Britain. That's why. Yeah, you you went a little robotic. So go ahead and drop off and come back in, and we'll see if it sounds better. So I'm going to wait for David to come back in on Skype. And uh, let me see. See, this, this is the fun of podcasting. If you do a live show, and Skype's window just went bonkers on me. It's not showing me names. That's weird. I hate Skype. It's Skype used to be so good, and it's just such a piece of crap now. It's true. It's true. And um, my video is on, so I'm going to turn off video yeah. so we don't waste bandwidth. So, David, um, we talked about tech biography uh, of Steve Jobs. Do you think, uh, I don't know, is where do you see tech biographies? And, and do well, you think, like, the whole thing is, I think it's Sony purchased the rights to the movie. Do, yeah. do we want a movie of Steve Jobs? I, I didn't we get I, I that mean, already? <laughs> it was called. Well, we had yeah. we had Revenge of the what was it Pirates of Silicon Valley? Yeah, we had Revenge of the Nerds, which was a pretty good series. That about, was a, extremely know, good, but it's way dated yeah. now. Well, that, well, that's part of the problem is that these you know tech is a fast moving field. I mean, even even uh, that book I mentioned before, Icon, the the greatest second act in the history of business is pretty out of date now because yeah. uh you know that was, that was pre-iphone pre-iphone pre-ipad um it's a moving target i mean if you're going to write a book or you're going to make a, a movie it's going to be dated so quickly in the tech industry now obviously if if the subject is steve jobs well there's a clear beginning middle and end but yeah. the story of apple is is you can't do that story yet. And, and not only that, I mean, the, the difficulty they're going to have with a movie is that, um, you know, for a man who did so many things uh, and achieved so much, to actually bring that across in a two-and-a-half-hour teleplay is going to be really hard. Yeah. I mean, one of the one of the criticisms of... Um, I mean, there's talk that Aaron Sorkin, who wrote The West Wing, has been... Is being tapped up to to write this. Uh, well, the reason this. the reason they went to Aaron Sorkin is because he had a lot of success in the last tech movie he did, The Social yeah, Network. Social Network, which is a, actually the, a good movie. I really like yeah, that movie. But one of the criticisms of The Social Network is that um, it, you know it dramatizes some of the events and puts them across in a way they didn't really happen. Yep. The diff- I think the difficulty with it, it, you could always try and get that balance in the book because you have the space. If you if you take that approach, you have the space and the time to get different perspectives and put different viewpoints across and try and allow the readers to decide what the reality is. You don't have that time in a, in a movie. You have to choose a perspective, a viewpoint, and then you have to kind of run with that Yeah, and you then move on to the next part of the story. And, and I mean, The only way the Steve Jobs movie would work is... It starts off with Waz and him building the Apple II, well, the Apple computer, uh, the the fair when they first show it off, um, the success of Apple of building this company, the Macintosh, his ouster, and that would be obviously the beginning of Act Two, 
mm-hmm. his reinvention, his um, creating Next and buying Pixar and transforming Pixar from a software company into a movie company, his return to Apple, this big, you know, open versus closed systems. And at the end, when Steve passes away, it's obvious that closed systems is winning. But yeah, but the problem with that is that is that kind of you know that kind of downplay is that rushes through. Yeah, we're losing you again. Most, yeah. 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 We're losing you again. So I'm gonna drop David and then bring him back in. See, once again, I love Skype so much because right in the middle of what I think is an interesting conversation, Skype just decides that David should be a Cylon. <laughs> Maybe, maybe I am a silo. Maybe you are. Um, no, I get <laughs> yeah. your point. It's, it's going to be rushed. And it's going to be gonna incomplete. It's going to be rushed, and it's going to downplay the, the more successful part of his life, which was the return to Apple and the, the establishment of, of kind of a whole new product line. Yeah, and, but the problem with that is the return to Apple and the massive success that happened afterwards isn't as impressive without the foresight of this guy getting kicked out of his own company. Yeah. Starting from scratch. Thankfully, he had a lot of money to do so. Returning to Apple. I mean, that's... The only reason that the success for me of Apple now is so compelling is what happened to the guy, the journey that he took to get back to where he belonged. So I mean, this was his company. In that case, maybe maybe it would be better as a... um, Miniseries? as a miniseries, mm-hmm. uh, three three part miniseries that that would that would probably work better, but I don't know whether they want they want to do that. You certainly won't want to do three movies. Yeah. I mean, one of one of the the difficulties is is exactly that problem. I mean, the Social Network looked at it used the device of the court case as a as a way of looking back at the establishment of Facebook, but in 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 some respects, it was only looking at, at a very a fairly short period of time. So the only way they could do the Steve Jobs movie, I think, would be it takes place on his deathbed, as he's reflecting back on these moments of his history. Yeah, yeah you could do that. Maybe um, maybe make it. Uh, <laughs> whenever whenever I, I think it's on that, I always remember those awful clip shows they used to do for TV series. Yes, you know where they would uh, because they they would run out of money for this for the season. They would do a cheap show that was basically just clip clips from uh, other seasons, and they would they would always contrive to get the main character kind of so injured, reminiscing. Yeah, so he could be reminiscing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they could. They're all standing around Fonzie's bed because they think he's going to die. So they all share their personal favorite Fonzie stories. So eighty percent of the episode is episode you've already seen. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah I don't know. Um, again, I'm in a grumpy mood, David. And one of the topics that you you brought up was uh, video editing. Yeah. And in here it says, uh, despite better tools than ever, most people still aren't doing it. I think that's kind of a valid point of view. We've got very sophisticated tools to edit movies now, but, boy, it doesn't seem like people are editing crap anymore. Remember when (laughs) iMovie was such a cool thing and everybody wanted a Mac just to use iMovies? And I don't don't see that at all anymore. You... you, (sighs) 
I, I think about this a lot. You know, I watch a lot of videos on YouTube and, and the stuff that gets put up there is you sometimes you watch it and you think, why didn't you why didn't you <laughs> just edit this a little bit? Yeah. You know, why didn't you cut out that stupid 10 seconds at the beginning where, uh, you know, or, or why don't you redub it so that you don't have the, the mom's voiceover in the background going, what are you doing? What are you doing? Or the horrible wind sounds. Yeah. You know? and, and you and you always get, I mean, it's it's kind of a, a meme of YouTube videos now where, uh, you know, it's some, something dramatic. You always get some, whoever's holding the camera going, oh, my God, I can't believe it. And you just think, this isn't adding anything to it. No. And, and, yeah, the, the, the point is, is you can... You, you can edit videos on your phone. You've got iMovie on your phone. There's there's no reason for people not to uh, do a little bit of editing, except the fact that they can't be bothered to. <laughs> and and it, yeah, it is kind of contrary to me that we have effectively what five, six years ago would have been a thirty, forty thousand pound editing suite as a piece of software sat on our computers, and yet nobody's interested in using it. You don't, you don't have to mess with tape anymore. You don't have to import video. You literally just plug the thing in and pull the clips over and you can cut it around to whatever you want to put music on it, you want to put titles on it or anything. And not only it, that, you know, the it, cameras now are all HD. You get better quality pictures. Not really better quality sound, I've noticed, but better quality picture. It looks great, except and, it's, a, it's yeah. a four and a half minute video, but really most people only care about a minute and a half of it. And there's no title, there's no anything. It's just, boom, thrown up there, and it looks like crap. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I was making better movies than I'm seeing right now 10 years ago. And In fact, it was 10 yeah. years ago when I made my first iMovie and, yeah. and gave it to family members on the DVD. And everyone just loved it. It was amazing. Actually, it wasn't even DVD. I outputted it to tape. Because not enough but, of my relatives had a DVD player <laughs> ten years ago. <laughs> that's an, that's also another part of it. Most people use sites like YouTube to share video. Yeah. So or you Facebook have, you have this, or yeah. yeah. So you have this great high definition camera that can take amazing pictures. All right, the sounds not so good. So how do you share it with people? Do you burn it to a DVD so they can watch it on their forty-two or fifty-inch plasma television in beautiful high def, so it looks like they're there? No. <laughs> You send them a clip to, to a YouTube video and they get a pixelated, low-quality version that buffers and, and jerks and streams. And there's probably got 1,500 comments underneath it going, oh, my God, I can't believe you posted this. What a doofus you are. Uh, it, it just it seems counterintuitive to me that, that everything is, with video has gotten so much better and yet all we do is kind of use it in a way that makes it worse. I agree. I don't know what the answer is to that, to be honest. It's just, it's a laziness. We've made it too easy to get stuff online and, and good enough is good enough. Really? I think that's the mentality. Yeah, it's good enough. There's no passion to make it better that I think you and I both share. We want to make it better. We want to make it sound better. We want to make it look better. We, whatever the project is, we, we don't want good enough. Good enough to me isn't good enough. Good enough right. is a lazy excuse. Yeah, it's good enough. You know? Yeah, in fact, it's funny you say that. There's a there's a podcast I listen to, um, and they're, it's done by people who are all technically capable, and yet 
week after week after week they have problems with audio quality or they post a file with one side of the conversation missing and they have to repost it or somebody's on an internal mic in the laptop rather than using an external mic so they sound bad um, or there's the synchronization issues because they've recorded it all locally and they haven't got it all lined up properly and it's clear some weeks that they've just gone oh well you know, I've done enough editing on this now, so I'm not going to fix it, and they just stick it up there. Yeah, and it and it infuriates me. I'm with you. I, yeah, I just think, you know, what what's the point of going to the effort of recording something that people want to listen to if you're then going to give them uh, the lowest common a, denominator? Yeah, put a quality bar on it by by saying, well, okay, I'm so uninterested in what I did that I'm not prepared to present it in the world in something that's that's um, listenable to. Yeah. I don't know. Did did you listen to the last show I did with Mark Greentree? I did. Okay, because I didn't. I haven't listened to that back. Did I talk about my stereo equipment at all? You did. Okay. Yeah. I wasn't sure because that was a conversation I was gonna. I was kind of planning on on holding off to have with you, but I jumped the gun. <laughs> <laughs> but I could say that it's been a couple weeks now, and I don't miss all that clutter and crap all over the place. It, yeah. it, it's so refreshing that I've pared down to the bare essentials, if you will. And I don't feel like I'm missing out on anything. I really oh, don't. I, I, had, I had a similar conversation with, um, with a guy here in my office who's, who's a big, he really loves, uh, you know, home cinema. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, he's, he's got a similar sort of problem in that, you know, he's, he's talked about, He's put. He's, he's talked about upgrading his home cinema equipment, and, and effectively, he was saying to his wife, "Oh, well, I'm going to buy buy a new amplifier for um, kind of as a Christmas present myself." And yet, you know, the whole problem with cables and and yeah. speaker locations and um, things sounding too much. I mean, he's he, he's kind of gone. He said he's started to do it now, and and you know, the balance isn't right. So that um, stuff sounds like it's coming too much from the rear, and it's very distracting. And then you know the actual uh, setup of the amp is quite complicated to try and fix that. You know, uh, and he basically needs half an hour, forty minutes of playing around with it just on his own. Uh, <laughs> and I'm thinking, man, you know, I'm sure it's going to sound great when it's finished, but is I, it I worth just, it? That... I don't have time for that. Well, you know, I've got kids, and by the time I can actually sit down and watch. Uh, a movie that wouldn't be appropriate for the kids, um, whatever movie it is, because half the movies that I want to watch are like rated R, and yeah. I can't watch, let my eight and four year old watch that. So, what's the point in having this huge sound system that I I never take advantage of? Just never. I never do. My wife and I don't have. Hey, we're going to put the kids to bed and then we're going to watch this movie and we're going to turn it up a little bit because that's the best experience. No, the kids are sleeping. You can't. Yeah. So what's the point? There's no point. Except I have this huge dust magnet sitting next to the, you know, on both sides of the TV and then, of course, the amplifier and then all the damn cables. And you get too many cables, you can never really clean back there effectively. And it, it just becomes dust magnets. And my enjoyment of the audio has gone down with my inability to enjoy it at a decent volume. Yeah. So, eh, I don't miss it. 
I don't look. But look, I, I still I guess, have all the equipment, yeah, but it's just put guess, away now. I guess that's a facet, though, the fact that you know we have we have families, we have children. Yeah, maybe all of that stuff is kind of a, it's a it's a bit of a of a younger person's game. You know, when you're no, living on your I, own, I don't, or you're living on it with, with yes with your girlfriend or your wife, but you don't have kids. And yes, but so I'm you, but I'm also looking at it as a minimalist thing. I don't need yeah. all this crap anymore, David. I really yeah. don't. I've got boxes and boxes downstairs full of old tech stuff. Cables, external this, you know, printers. I, I'm i never going to use any of that crap. You know, at yeah. one time I thought, oh, maybe I'll put like a little display on. And it'll be, you know, I'm never going to do it. So I'm going to get rid of all that crap as well. Eventually well, I'm look- just going to start taking pictures and eBaying the, the heck out of it. Look at how our computers have gone. You know, we used to have computers which were beige boxes and they had hundreds of cables coming out the back and then you might have a printer or a scanner and, and maybe an external drive with big, thick, inflexible SCSI cables and, you know, a big CRT monitor and all that sort of thing. And now now we have an iMac or maybe a MacBook Air and it's all kind of all sits together and it's just one thing with one cable. Uh, and, um, and it's more capable than the old and it's stuff. More capable, yeah. yeah. So, so maybe, maybe there is. Something I'm the, I'm to the same. That, I mean, I, I think this all started for me with videos. I had a huge DVD collection. I ripped them all to my computer. I had a huge movie or a, a CD collection. I ripped them all as MP3s, and I got rid of. Uh, well, I got rid of all the CDs. I don't even have them anymore because I had nothing on CD that I couldn't get electronically. And ninety nine point nine percent of it, I never listen to, or it's yeah, we, very occasional. We have four, five shelves of videotapes at home, and I don't think we've got anything to even play them on anymore. Right, um, right. I don't think we've got a working video. But VCR yeah, we, in the house. we hold on to this crap, and it's and this yeah. is crap. I mean, any one of those movies, other than you know the home family stuff, any one of those movies, you can either stream it on Netflix if you're in the U.S. Uh, you could buy a DVD. You could rent a DVD and rip it and have it on an external hard drive or two, so you have a backup. You, you don't need the physical things anymore, and I'm getting that no. way with books as well. I just get it on my iPad and I read it there. I don't need another book to clutter up my shelf. That after I get done reading, it's going to sit there for three years before I put it in a box and put it in the basement because I'm never going to read it again. Yeah. It, it just doesn't make any sense. I'm just. I'm tired of stuff that's just cluttery crap that I just don't need. Now, that being said, I'm not getting rid of my video game collection because, you know, I like those. But <laughs> <laughs> but I can't replicate just, an Atari 2600. You just 2600. cut the out from your entire argument. With no, because I can't, I can't replicate an Atari 2600 no, no, that, on my that, TV screen. Well, yeah, you... Yeah, that, that's that's true. I mean, there are ways to doing that, but who has the time? Um, no, that that's that's fair enough. But uh, I, and I'm sure that will come. But that, that has an inherent value to me, whereas all this old computer equipment doesn't. All my yeah, old CDs or DVDs don't, because I can see that instantly using either of the two Apple TVs that I have sitting in there. Mm-hmm. I can watch it right now if I want. You know, yeah. I just don't need all this crap anymore. I just want to get rid of the crap and focus on, you know, the kids and the content that I create, like this podcast and MyMac.com and work and even uh, Stoplight Network, helping other podcasters make their podcast sound better and, and reach an audience. I'm more interested in that stuff than the physical things that's just cluttering up everything. 
So, got to be the way to go. Yeah, there you go. So, with that, we're going to wrap up uh, Tech Fan number 58. David will be back here next week, I believe. I think so. Great. So, uh, let me know what you guys out there think. I love, you know, what do you think of the minimalist thing? Am I just simply getting too old and get off my lawn type of attitude? Or do you think there's some uh, inherent value in getting rid of things, physical things, because I don't need the physical thing anymore? So let us know. Feedback at MyMac.com. And again, if you're a podcaster, uh, let us know. We're looking for shows to join the Spotlight Network. Stoplight Network. I'm just retarded. Uh, it's StoplightNetwork.com. David, thanks for being here this week, man. Pleasure. And Justin, thanks for coming in for a half a segment. <laughs> and and happy birthday. Even, even though we, we don't, don't care. Don't care. <laughs>